audience watches me meet them. So yeah, man, good to see you. We talked on the phone briefly, and um, it's a story that I have told a million times with other people is that um, often I will, there we go, often I will start talking to a, a guest that's going to come on, and they start uh, they start telling me a cool story or something interesting about them, and I have to always rudely and like an asshole, I have to be like, hey, stop telling me that story. And they're always like, oh, you know, okay, sorry. And I'll be like, no, it's a very interesting story. And I want to save it for the podcast because, as you know, like we're just doing this. There's no script. We're just doing this off the top of our heads. Right, and right. if you tell me a really cool story and I'm like, that was amazing and it's legitimately a good story, I don't want you to come back on here and tell me the same story and I have to act all fake and animated. Got it, got it. Yeah, so – for that whole explanation for everyone listening, I was talking to Paul last week on the phone, and he started telling me about uh, filming sharks underwater after retiring from, at least somewhere in, in fi- corporate finance, he said. Right. I worked in uh, mostly uh, large uh, New York City banks, chemical bank and uh, you know banks like that, mm-hmm. and um, was working for MasterCard, so financial services industry. Mm-hmm. Everything from banking to um, um, uh, electronic payments. We, we, we were kind of the first to uh, invent, if you will, home banking. You know when you pay a bill on your, on your phone today? Yeah. Well, we invented all the protocols that make that happen. Really? That's what I did for a real living. We had to put the food on the table and the roof over our heads. Yeah. Well, so what got it was you? A lot of fun. Yeah. What got you started with that? Because I'm I'm interested in everything. So what got you started in in, in that? What was that? What you wanted to do? Uh, pretty much dumb luck. You know, uh, <laughs> sometimes you know, corporate life. You know, it's nice to say you can you have a plan and you can plan out your corporate life. You know, but uh, sometimes events happen. And uh, I was a corporate economist for a while and wanted to do something different. I had some operational skills, so I went to a different side of banking uh, and um, was running a, a department that did credit analysis. Unfortunately, the bank decided to close that department down. Again, one of those things you can't control in corporate life, right? Mm-hmm. And they said, if you hang with it and close the department down, you can go wherever you want in the bank. So they were developing this thing called Pronto Home Banking. I said, that kind of sounds kind of like fun, you know. And it was the first banking on computers. So I, since I had some financial skills, operational skills, management skills, that's where I went. And I uh, had a lot of fun doing that because in the early days of home banking, it was, it was quite a ride because, you know, today we pay a bill. It goes seamlessly from your mm-hmm. computer to your bank to the merchant you're paying. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that way in the early days. In the early days, the back end links weren't there. You might be scheduling a payment on a computer, okay? But in the back end, there weren't a lot of links from the banks to the merchant, mm-hmm. okay? So if you and I are both paying Macy's 200 bucks on the same day, well, they might give Macy's off 400 bucks to either one of us. They had, you know, sometimes they were cutting physical checks. You know, we had guys who were making their payments on the last day it was due, thinking electronically it'll go only to find their water get cut off and when they had a hot date that night and they couldn't take a shower. So <laughs> those are the kind of calls, calls we used to get in customer service. I can't take a shower, I pay my bill electronically. Did you make a water supply? Well, it wasn't really electronic, I'm sorry to inform you, so you're, you're was, out of luck. It was so. kind of a lot. So you went from that and again, we spoke on the phone and you said a quote that I remember hearing um, towards the end of my college career when I decided I, I didn't want to be a doctor and it's, um, it's on your deathbed. No one ever said on the deathbed, gee, I wish I spent more time in the office. Exactly. And it's, 
I guess unless you're like that, those rare individuals who that is your passion is building your own. So I bet Elon Musk probably will say that. But I mean, aside from him, well, I've, I've met some people like that who, you know, who kind of define themselves by their work. You know, I had yeah. uh, one boss who was on a, on a, on a call with somebody saying they were having a fight. And they said, well, you tell them that I am the vice president of X and X Bank, you know. And I said to myself, now, if you weren't the ex president of uh, so and so bank, you know, what would you define yourself as? You know, they define themselves by their work. Yeah. I never did. For me, work was a means to an end, yeah. you know. Uh, so that's, that's yeah yeah and that, yeah that's always that's always an interesting thing yeah what would you be without that well one thing yeah. I one thing I asked myself kind of as college went on or towards the very end is I remember I came up with a weird analogy and it was if I was the only person in the world what would would I still be happy saying so let's say I'm the vice president of of money incorporated that's great i can use that do you know who i am do you know who my husband is he's that but i thought what if no one else was alive or what if it was a simulation and i'm the only one here how much would i really care about that title and yeah, so yeah. How, I want, how do you define yourself so i was like i want to do something that it doesn't matter who i tell it's like this is what i like and i love this like i don't care if anyone cares and so whereas that led to me turning down a med school acceptance and <laughs> Long story short, ending up with a podcast about seven years of insanity in between. You, I don't know. You might have me one up. Long story in between, and you were uh, you're swimming and uh, you're in those cages and you're filming sharks. Yeah, that was quite a trip. <laughs> yeah. So could, um, how do, how does that start? How does that? I'll shut up. I'll stop talking. Well, how does that start? That's okay. No, no. It's um, you know I started diving as um, back in two thousand. Kind of a dumb luck thing. You know I always was interested in it. Uh, I, I grew up watching uh, in the 1950s and early 60s there was a TV show called Sea Hunt mm-hmm. starring uh, Lloyd Bridges mm-hmm. father of Jeff Bridges and, Bridges, I know. Big Lebowski. and, um, and then came uh, Jacques Cousteau so that was kind of like on my radar someday I want to do that but you know life gets in the way Yeah. fast forward many years later my kids are off my payroll the house is paid for what do I want to do okay I want to bail out of <laughs> what I was doing for, in the corporate life you know uh, my wife had benefits and she was a teacher, so I paid for benefits on the side, you know, so I could kind of afford to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I got, you know, scuba diving. And um, eventually, this, you know, the diving kind of took on a life of its own. And you like to, uh, after a while, um, you see lots of interesting things. But then what you see gets a little, not boring, but, you know, okay, I've seen that, been there, done that. Let's do something more exciting. Let's amp it up. And sharks were always on my radar especially after seeing Jaws many, many years ago. So, so that was it. Is It was just... I'm gonna, I, I just turned the heater on. I'm going to turn it off. So sure. you were just... So you were just... That was... Okay, I have the time. Like, I, I can do... You're right. I have the time now. I have the, you know, the, the relative money. And it's kind of just... Now what? And it's, yeah. right, it's kind of like going to a buffet and you're like, okay, I got in. I checked into my hotel and I'm at the buffet. Like... What am I going to eat? And it was just yep. sharks. <laughs> yeah, and the, the first, you know, the first shark dive I ever had gone on was, you know, I had been diving for a while, and it was a trip to Nassau, Bahamas, and it was built as a shark trip, you know, uh, see the sharks. Uh, so I said, this sounds kind of cool. Is it safe? And uh, they said, oh yeah, you can, do, you can do this. Yeah, it's fine. Right? Okay, you know, the sharks will come too close, but don't worry about it. You know, all right. So these were Caribbean reef sharks. Um, one thing you find out about most sharks, most sharks like to eat sushi, not prime rib. So I felt safe after. Okay. <laughs> I was down there. Okay. You know, so 
We're down there with the fish. There's no shark. This is no cage. This is out there diving with them. There's a guy in the middle. What the hell? the sharks with a stick. And the sharks are coming all around you and stuff like this. Wait. You, wait, so you're not in a cage? You're down there just sharks? Yeah, this, this shark. This is the Nassau, Bahamas, Caribbean reef sharks, which are good-sized sharks. These, these sharks are, you know, seven to eight, nine feet long, you know, long and pretty hefty, you know. And... Um, but they're, they're, most of their food is, is fish. They like to eat sushi, like I said. Okay. Uh, so, um, you know, you're down there, and the, the thing about it is, you know, you're, you're down, well, when we're on the way down, the guy says, okay, the sharks might come and um, approach you. If they approach you, don't swim away. Face the shark. It'll always swim away first. I said, okay, fine. Let's try that. So I'm going down there. Yeah, he got into the water, and I see this, you know, big shark coming towards me. I got my camera up. I was going to be great. I got a nice picture of a shark. So he's coming closer, and he's coming closer. I'm thinking the, the guy's, you know, voice in my head, don't swim away. Always face the shark. It'll swim away first. So I got the camera here. He's coming closer. He's coming closer. I said, now when's the shark going to turn? And just as I was about to have an accident in my wetsuit, the shark kind of made a slight turn, took the shot, and he went over my shoulder. I said, that was pretty cool. We went down to the bottom, we're extra weights on us so we don't bounce around down there and float around. They wanted us in the, in the circle. And they started feeding these, you know, Caribbean reef sharks with the guy in the middle with the uh, fish heads on a, on a, out of a box. You know, we put them on a, on, a, on a spear and the fish would come by and the fish, sharks would come by. They'd bump into you to get to the middle and stuff, but they didn't bother us. You know, it was, it was like really, wow, this is pretty cool. They just said, don't do something stupid like reach out and try and touch it or pet it or grab it. You'll be fine. Accidents do happen, but not on this trip. So that was my first experience with sharks. And after that, you know, I'd seen sharks on other trips or whatever, um, but never saw the big boys, you know, the, the, the great whites. That was always on my radar in the back of my mind, maybe someday, you know? And uh, one day I was on a trip to Cozumel and one of the divers on the boat had made this trip, made this, uh, this, this dive that I always wanted to do out in California to see great whites. And he told me about it, told me about it, and I said, okay, it's time. I got to do this before who knows what happens down the road. You know, in this case, it was before the pandemic. Who knew what was coming a year or two later, right? Yeah. So that's how the, the Great White Ship uh, short uh, trip happened. Uh, you know, taking a plane from here to San Diego, uh, meeting up with the dive operator, take a bus to Ensenada, where you pick up the boat, and head out to Guadalupe Island, which is 160 miles off the coast in the Pacific, off the Mexican coast, where the, uh, where the sharks are. And if anybody's watched Shark Week and they talk about Great Whites, the Great Whites of Guadalupe or whatever, you'll see this very stark island. This is the island where we're at, where they film all these, you know, the Shark Week adventures pretty much, you know. And that was uh, quite an adventure. So uh, so when you're when you're down there with sharks, not even the Great Whites, just like any of the, 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 the reef sharks, is there, okay, I don't know, I don't know how to explain this. I'll try to explain it. I remember, like, I've always been obsessed with skyscrapers ever since I was little. I remember, like, the first time I, like, my memory, the first time I remember, like, going on, like, the highway and seeing Manhattan. It was, like, the craziest, like, oh, my God, there it actually is. There's the Empire State Building. Granted, you know, King Kong's not real, but it's, like, there it is. Like, I um, I remember the first time I saw Manhattan Island after 9-11, and I was, like, there's where this thing happened that changed the world as we know it. Um uh, I went to D.C. the first time seeing the Washington Monument, seeing the the White House. And it's just this very odd, like, we've talked about it, we've talked about it, we've talked about it. And then you see the thing, and you're like, FDR sat in there. You're like, that's 
I'm seeing what he saw on some random day. With, I can only imagine, and because I'm far too much of a pussy to ever do that, I, you know, I get scared going into a lake. I can only imagine that there's some sort of... (laughs) I can only imagine there's some sort of... You get into the water and you see this thing and it's this thing that stopped evolving like 60 million years ago because it's the perfect killing machine. For all intents and purposes, it's a saltwater dinosaur. Is there some like... You're, yes. Yeah, I know okay. exactly where you're going. Yes. Is there that stark, there's the Empire State Building, there's yes. the Washington yes. Monument. Is there just like, there's death? Yes, it kind of grips you. I'll tell you when that moment happens. It happened twice. <laughs> okay. And neither time that I expected. Okay. Okay. Uh, in Nassau, we pull up to what's called uh, Shark Arena, which is uh, about uh, 60, 70 miles off the, off the Nassau coast. It's a, a deep water trench. And we're at the back of the boat. And I, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to go down. We're going to see a few sharks. Okay, I can I can handle this. Okay, we pull up, and all of a sudden, the sharks found us first. We're on the boat, and now because the sharks know that the, the boats come around, sometimes they have food. So the, when they hear maybe they I don't know what the cue is. Maybe they hear the boat, whatever it is. All of a sudden, you look up at the boat, and there's four or five of these large grayish black shapes with dorsal fins breaking the surface, circling the boat. And I said to the guy, oh, gee, I guess we can't go down now. He goes, oh, you can go down. Just don't, when you jump in, just don't land on one. I said, okay. But that moment happens when you, when you see the dorsal fins uh, circling the boat. You know, there's two parts of your brain. You know, there's the primitive part that's for survival mm-hmm. and then the more advanced part that's thinking, you know. Yeah, the neocortex. And what kicks in is the survival part that says this little voice is saying, stupid. When the sharks are in the water, you don't jump in, you get out. You know, that's what that's what it's telling you. The reptilian brain. You, you, exactly. Your logical brain is saying, well, these guys do this every day. It must be safe. So you have, you have this little internal <laughs> conflict going on. And then since there were a lot of ladies on the, there were several ladies on, on this boat, you don't want to whip out in front of, you know, girls, let's face it. You know, so, so I thought, yeah, I'm going diving. So you go in. The same thing happened. Fast forward 20 years later. Now I'm making this great white shark dive for the first time, finally. And we pull up and we moored off Guadalupe Island in the distance. It looks like something out of the dinosaur age. It's a very stark island. And um, to get the sharks closer to the boat, in this case, they had to kind of chum. They would use these big 20-pound mm-hmm. chunks of tuna and ropes to throw it out there. And now the sharks show up. And it was the same feeling but amped up by 10 times because now you don't have a Caribbean white great white, I mean, Caribbean shark, you have a great white shark, okay? The dorsal fin is as big as a small boy. Okay? Oh, God. A small human. And these, you see these things circling the boat and their fins are cutting through the water and they're, you know, rushing for this bait and you see their teeth, you know, chopping at the bait as they come out of the water to grab the bait because the guy's like pulling the, you know, the, the fish head out so the shark's gonna, you gotta you know, could do with the shark. So they're jumping out with these mouths agape with these huge, you know, yeah. teeth on the size of a shot glass, right? Yeah, I have, yeah, I have one. And you're going, oh my God, that's, you know, wow. And the next thing you do is look at the cage because we all remember what happened to, <laughs> what's his name, and, and George, the yeah. cage didn't care too well, yeah. you know? These were pretty sturdy cages. But to your point, again, you get that visceral feeling like, oh my God, what am I going to, what am I about to do? You're here. You're here. You're on the edge, right? It's, it's again, I haven't skydived, but I yeah. what, I, what I imagine is it's, it's the same. The door opens and the green light comes on. And you're like, I am now leaving a perfectly good plane, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So, like, looking, I'm, so I'm just, 
Yeah, I was thinking like what there's like this beautiful like kind of parallel. I didn't I never I mean I've thought of it before, but it's not until you said it, you know, you've got the neocortex and that's the whole right? That's the hey, like let's try like heavier than heavier than air flight. Let's try to go to the moon. It's like that beautiful that's what pushes us forward. That's why we're here talking over the internet. And then there's that reptilian. It's almost like we took the the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other shoulder and we just shifted it towards perpendicular and it's now you have the angel on the front yep. that's like hey like let's take a risk and then you have the devil in the back that's like are you just going to be another statistic of a hundred million dead humans yeah yep. and um i guess it's you have to kind of roll the dice and but yeah so you see something like that is i mean there there has to be yeah this visceral this thing hasn't changed like i'm there's this picture that sticks out in my head and it's not even necessarily special but I remember looking at it in some biology book in college, and it's yeah, it's just like the shark is upside down or something, and the only thing sticking out of the water is the, like the bottom half of its mouth. It's a really weird picture. So there's just like this ledge of like skin with these mm-hmm. teeth sticking out, and then it's the water. You can't see the rest of it. But it's like a really high resolution photo, and I remember just so many times staring at it, and I was like, this is so. You know, you see like an ape and you're like, oh, that's what we used to be. But you can still kind of see us in it, right? Maybe you go back a little more, you see a monkey and you're like, okay, that's like pre-ape. Or, you know, you see a wolf or a bear or a deer and it's still very like, oh, wow, nature. But there's something about, I remember that photo and I was like, this is like, I see that. And it's not even like this feeling of ancient or like old human, t- like pyramid times. I get this feeling of like geologic time. It's yes, like, that's a dinosaur. That's a monster. Immortal fear. Yes. I do think we have some kind of an inborn fear. Of be- some people have said, they've, they've, they've described it as, we have this fear of being eaten alive. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, it's also epigenetic imprinting, right? They think a lot of reasons why we have, like, if you take, like, um, if you take, like, mice, and they did some study where they, they took mice and they put them in this lab and they had, like, the next generation of mice, next generation of mice. It's like, maybe it's not mice, it's something. But they have several generations of mice to where, like, it's, it's like nine generations to where none of them have ever been outside this lab. And if they fly over, like, a cardboard cutout of an eagle, they all run and scamper. And it's like they somehow know. And it's not just an eagle. And they did other shapes and it didn't care. But they did an eagle. And they were like, that thing is death. Right. There's something imprinted in our minds. A genetic imprint or a genetic memory gets passed down. Yeah, yeah. So there's some. So clearly, there's something in there that's been like passed down through like all animals. It's just like shark, water, it's game over, man. Exactly. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stop running my stupid mouth because I want to hear your story. So back to the great white so you see the great white yeah. they're yanking the tuna and it's just like that that thing is satan and you're watching the, you know this, this dorsal fin going cutting back and forth and you see the size of the dorsal fin like it's three or four feet tall so you're saying okay i'm trying to visualize it and you can see the entire you know the truck is on the surface pretty much so you can kind of see it's it's not 10 feet it's more like 14 15 feet and, and very the girth is very well broad you know and you realize you're in the presence of something much greater than you are you know um, so it was like, okay, well, this is what we came for. I guess we're going to do this, huh? And the first thing you check is the, the size of the bars on the cage. That's important, you know, and how they operate, how they're going to run the operation. They had three cages, uh, one on each side of the boat. 
and the side boat, the side cages could go down to 30 feet if you wanted, or they could stay just at the surface, below the surface, you know, and they had one cage that they're on, on the stern. And, um, you know, you check the cables. Okay, we have multiple cables. That's good in case the cable snaps and stuff like this. And uh, you're breathing off of what's called a hooker system, uh, which means there's air on the boat being pumped into a, into a tube that you just stick in your mouth, you know, for the regulator. Uh, um, there, I was relieved to see that there was a, a tank in the, in the cage also, just in case the worst happened, the worst case scenario, something snaps and the thing goes to the bottom that, you know, you need to grab onto some kind of air supply. That tube wasn't that long. So there were, there were cages, there were, there were, there were tanks in the side of the cage for an, for an emergency like that in case the thing went to the bottom, you know, which didn't happen you know, to anybody. But that, you look for those little things, little safety, um, you know, uh, devices like that. And um, when it's your time, you say, okay, you got to go in, let's go in. That's, that's, you know, that's why we flew across the country. You know, most, most of the people from California, there are a few people from the East Coast, like myself and stuff like that. We all came a long way in the, between the, um, the, uh, the, the plane ride, the bus ride, and then the boat ride, which was, I didn't, I didn't count on this aspect. I forgot to mention this. Um, the boat ride from, Sandy, from Ensenada, Mexico to Guadalupe Island, is you're going, uh, it's about 200 miles at 20 knots. No, I'm sorry, about 10 knots, 200 miles, 20 hours on a boat over a rolling ocean was going like this. Oh. At one point, I was happy to get me in the water with sharks, but you know, that was, that was kind of, that was the worst part of the whole trip, I think. It's not a cruise ship, you're, but you're, you're getting After all this, you know, we're, we're finally there, it's time to get in the boat, in the, in the, in the cage, and when it's your time, you say, okay, I'm going in. And you were, I was relieved to see that, they had their safety protocol really, really fixed up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I got in there and, um, you know, this, this, you, you had your choice of staying near the surface to go. I wanted to go down. Uh, so we went down about 20 or 30 feet and it was hung there for a while, not knowing what we were going to see or how we are going to, how, how we, how we going to come face to face with this animal. You know, that, that was a big thing. And you've read about all the stuff about the counter shading where they're dark on the top. So you can't see them looking down. And they're lighter on the bottom, so if you're looking up, again, they're a little bit, you know, camouflage. Perfectly evolved. So I was wondering what this is going to look like. So I'm staring at the, uh, now the, the water here is um, several hundred feet deep. You're on like a ledge. And then if uh, a little further off the ledge, it goes to a thousand feet. But with the boat, there's more, it's, it's a couple hundred feet. That's why they, you know, they, they need the anchor in the boat so it doesn't, you know, it stays in one spot. And um, you're just looking around, looking around. The water's pretty cold. It was about, uh, 60 65 degrees so we had thick wetsuits on uh some people had dry suits and um had hoods and new gloves keep you warm down there because you're not really moving around the cage and uh i'm waiting i'm waiting and i kind of look my eyes what is that do i see and you see a kind of a shape coming out it's like looking to this gloomy area looking down into the i call it the blue gloom you know all of a sudden you see a shape begin to materialize and then the shape comes closer and closer and you realize Oh, that's the shark. Wow. And you can see how his, his dark coloring looking down, you didn't see it at first until he got closer, you know, and he had gotten close enough that if you were not aware and you were, you know, you could be fish food because you wouldn't have seen it coming. And they, they came closer and closer. And then they, you know, then you, then you finally see the animal. And these are what I would call majestic animals. I mean, they are really pretty impressive. They know they're the boss down there. They're not, no, they're not no, in no hurry. They're not like looking around fast. They're just very calm, you know. <laughs> and they have these these these, these eyes that just, they look at you. They stare at you, you know. And he just kind of came up 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 to the cage and looked in and went past the cage. And you know, 
you, you know, in your mind, you're trying to take this all in and also take pictures at the same time. Yeah. And you don't want to keep looking through the viewfinder. You want to actually see it, you know, through your, you know, you have your, obviously your, your dive mask on, but you don't want to have your whole trip, you know, looking through a viewfinder. Yeah. Um, so you want to be able to experience the whole, you know, the whole animal. And uh, <clears throat> we got our experience worth quite a bit. We always had at least a couple of sharks around. And, um, you know, you just got, you know, sometimes they'd go past the cage, sometimes they'd whack the cage with their tail or something, or they'd you know, <laughs> try to bump the cage or stuff like this, you know, and that was probably the most exciting thing. And, and if, in, in my situation, that didn't, the, the cage bump didn't happen until the last day, uh, but um, from, but the old uh, time during, during our trip, you went in two or three times a day uh, for about an hour each time. And um, the sharks did not disappoint. We always had sharks. It wasn't a case where there were no sharks around. And uh, the people on the surface cage actually had more action because that's where the sharks were thrashing around, going for the bait and stuff like that. So you actually got better shots there. But the, the deep shots, you, you got more dramatic shots. You could get the shark above you so you could kind of look, could take a shot looking up and see the sun silhouetted behind the shark and stuff like this. Um, this is like a, I actually made a, as you can see this, this is one of the shots I took. It came back by the calendar. Jesus. And that was one of the, you know, the, with the sun on its back and stuff like that, you know. Jesus. Um, I made this calendar, for, you know, for 2020. Thinking back, I'm signing this calendar. I'm giving these calendars out to people. Have a great 2020. I hope 2020 is going to be a great year. Have a great 2020. Not knowing we, we had a pandemic coming, right? If anything, there's some beauty about that, though, right? There's you can yes. almost draw an analogy between between the great white shark and COVID, right? It's the same thing. Its eyes aren't right. It's not that. What really stuck out to me is it's not that predator, right? I, I kind of got an image of like a like a big cat, where it's like mm -hmm. it is like the king of the jungle or the king of the plains, but it's still mm -hmm. it's sneaking up on you. It's taking its time, you know. Yep. A shark is more. It's got this like kind of like Al Capone energy, right? Where it's just walking in, and it's like these are my fucking streets. Like, yeah, I'll show up when I want to. I might meet you yeah. at two. If it was doing this podcast, it might do it at two. It might show up at five. It doesn't whatever, give a fuck. Whatever it feels like. It's it's coming in, and it might interview you. It might not. It doesn't know. You've got an hour. We might go for five. I don't know. It's just this like. I run the streets. There's almost some analogies between that and COVID. COVID doesn't yep. give it. It's not a hurricane where everyone battens down the hatches. It came in and it was like, it was like, no Olympics, no March Madness, no nothing. End it. All your vacations are done. I don't give a shit. Excuse my French, but yep. yeah, it, there's maybe some beautiful analogies between that. But so when you see it kind of coming out of like, when you see it coming out of like the the murkiness. I mean. That's the last, what you saw is the last thing that like a lot of creatures have ever seen. Yes, and a lot of creatures don't always see it because sometimes the shark, you know, will will stealthily stick, sneak up behind its victim or whatever, you know, and they don't realize it's there until it's too late. You know, uh, even in most cases when you know, people uh, in the water don't realize it's, it's coming until it's there, you know. Um, so they, they have this way about them. It's, it's very stealth and they're very shy animals. You know, I mean, they don't grow this big by being dumb. You know, yeah. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't go for a fisherman's bait all the time. You know, you know there's a reason why they, they all, the big ones get so big because they're a little cautious. And after a while, we look at the shark, you know, they, they, they would have these, these big chunks of tuna on, on not, a, not on a hook. They didn't want to hook the shark, but it was fastened with like a rope. 
And if the shark got it, it, it could take it and rip it and go out to have a nice meal, you know. Uh, so the guys doing the chumming would have these you know, the, the, the tuna heads in the air and they would yank the the uh, tuna head out of the way to get the shark to leap for it so people get good pictures and this and that and everything else. But after a while, we try and you're in the cage and you say, okay, let me see if I can predict when the shark's going to go for it. Because the shark would come up go towards, you know, I'm watching here, I'm watching this with my camera ready, I want to get that good tooth shot, right? And interestingly enough, you couldn't predict when the shark was going to make the strike. It would be coming closer and closer and closer. He'd go, he's going to go, he's going to go, he's going to go. Nope, turned away. Why? I don't know. Comes around again, same exact approach. He's coming, he's coming, he's going to turn away. Oh, there he goes, he goes for it. You just never knew what the, the shark, something triggered the shark's decision. I don't know what it was. Maybe he just wasn't ready. Maybe he wasn't sure. Maybe the he might have got a glimpse of the rope. I don't know what he saw, but they would come and they would make a decision. They'd come closer and closer and closer. And this, okay, he's going to go for it. Nope, he didn't go for it. And later on, he'd come back again. Oh, he just went for it. It's, he just never knew what he was going to do. Well, right. It's well. So today is February, Monday, February, Monday, February eighth, twenty twenty one. Yesterday, Tom Brady won a seventh Super Bowl. Mm. I don't really watch football. I never really cared, but I am from New England. I love it. I love a Tom Brady, and I've said as much. I love a Tom Brady. I love a a, a Derek Jeter. I love a uh, a Michael Jordan. I love a, a Jeff Bezos because there's something about just like ruthless masters of a craft that you don't have to like them but there's something right. that I just like you, you don't even have to have respect for you don't have a voluntary yeah. respect for you like just, the alpha personality yeah you know, yeah it could be an alpha male or an alpha female you know but it's, it's that alpha personality that apex predator where it's there's a it's not that you have to show respect for them or that you have respect for them it's involuntary mm-hmm. respect it's like a sneeze yeah. when you walk out into mm-hmm. the sun you're like there's the best I was thinking like you don't get that way by accident, right? It's like to get to the Super Bowl or something. It's like if you're go- – I didn't watch a single second of the game. But, like, if you're going to do a fake field goal, you do a 1,000 normal field goals first, right? Right. And then the fake comes, and it, 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 there's a reason why it's a fake. Oh, it's a surprise. You know, it's it's the same thing. It's the shark. It's You don't know what it saw. But just like the, the Bill Belichick or the Tom Brady or whoever, just like yeah. they see one chink in the armor and they go – Flip it, flip it. You're like, we got a touchdown. Yep. To you and me, we're like, why did they decide at that time? But that's why you and I are in the stands and not holding the Lombardi trophy. Yep. But the great white, who knows? Did it see one photon hit the fishing line? Mm-hmm. And something in its brain said, nope, uh-uh. Yep. Jesus. They, they, they are curious and they are cautious. They're not reckless. They're cautious. Yeah. They, they will take what they want in their own time. Now, what triggers that decision not really sure. I like, guess there could be a number of things like you just enumerated, uh, but something there is something going on in the brain. It's, it's, it's not a stupid brain. No, it's again, it's and I could be wrong. Maybe I'm fake news. Somebody fact check me. But I thought I remember reading years ago that they have stopped evolving because they've they've hit the pinnacle of just of perfection. The way their fins are shaped, to where they have to expend minimal energy to move. I mean, mm-hmm. or bigger things, dark on the top looking down, light on the bottom looking up. Mm-hmm. I mean, the world's always changing, so I'm sure you could argue genetically there is still evolution going on. But, like, you don't get there by accident. You don't get that big right. by accident. So, they have been selected. I mean, there are some off the coast of New England that they say are older than the United States. 
three to four hundred years old. These things are. I don't I mean, know if sharks live that long. Um, I, there, I, I think there's like one or two that they've tagged. I'll look okay, it up. Could be. I mean, could be. This isn't some like point I'm passionate about. I'm not like <laughs> I'm going to argue this. No, I'm, I'm not an expert myself in this, but uh, um, you know, I, I do know that um, you know whales, for example, uh, they 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 caught a whale up in Alaska somewhere, like a bowhead or a, or whatever they hunt up there, the Native Americans or the, or the uh, indigenous um, people of the uh, Northwest there. And, um, you know, they because they're, they're allowed to hunt whales for subsistence. And um, they recovered a harpoon in the whale. Jesus Christ. And they dug out the harpoon and they looked at it and examined it and they realized the harpoon was over 100 years old. It had been, you know, this, this whale had been struck in the era of Yankee whaling back in the 1800s, Jesus. you know, and it was still around. <clears throat> the Greenland Greenland sharks. Oh, Greenland sharks. Okay. Yes or no? Not not great white. I was wrong. Hmm. Greenland sharks. Yeah, a little over 400 years old. One is a 392 year old one they found in 2020. Okay. okay, so these are exceptions. These aren't the norm. All right. Well, that's a different species, and that particular species is a very, very deep water, very slow-moving okay. shark. Okay. So there could be some correlation to the fact that it, you know, doesn't run around, you know, yeah. like a speed merchant. Yeah. You know, it, it's just conserving its energy. It does what it does. It's yeah. uh, no, 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 no other predators down there. Humans don't fish for these things. Mm -hmm. They can't fish them because they're too deep. And um, very well could be. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, they're, they're they're like a they're like a Keith Richards shark as opposed to like a. <laughs> As opposed to a Jimi Hendrix or a, right, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, fast and young, just like that, live for the moment. But so, seeing these things and they kind of now, did you like within the sharks? Was there like a, was there any like clear relationship? Was there one that was the alpha amongst the sharks, or are they all kind of? Oh yeah, uh, and it showed up on the very last day. Oh shit. Um, it was this, uh, we were in the shore, it was, my, it was my last, you know, dive of the day, and we were getting ready to leave by around, by the middle of the day, they wanted to get on their way. And we had seen some big sharks, we, we saw, you know, 15 foot, I mean, 15, 16 foot, these are big sharks, you know. Um, and then on the cage the last day, two other ladies were in with, with me, and they had their cameras, they were very good photographers, and um, we're all taking shots, and all of a sudden, this very, very big female shark shows up and this thing was like an oh my god shark it was like later on i heard that people knew about this shark they, 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 there are certain identifiers on the shark besides more body markings there's also maybe fins are clipped off or there's mm -hmm. some other you know identifiers so they, and they keep a catalog of these things so they can they know which ones show up when and stuff like that and this thing was huge besides being like almost 20 feet it was probably 18 foot range around there it was very very big you know it was huge and uh, this is the one, <laughs> I won't forget this, Ari. Um, we saw it coming up and around, and uh, one of the ladies in front of me was, was taking a picture of it swinging past another cage, and it came towards our cage, and I said, well, now I'm gonna get a great shot. And I got my camera because kind of ready, I'm gonna get this shot. And all of a sudden, as it approached us, the shark swerved into our cage and banged us, knocked me on my ass. So the shot I got wasn't the greatest, shot in the world photographically it wasn't you know because I, I was like going back like this and you know and, and i'm on my butt uh, i'm gonna hit the cage you feel the force of this body hitting the cage these cages are not small they were a good i would say 10 almost 10 feet long 
and obviously taller than a human, maybe six and six feet, six and a half feet high, you know, and about four feet wide, and they were heavy. And this thing banged into the cage like it was nothing, you know. We got knocked it back. I was I was on the on, on the floor, you know. And after it did that, I didn't know what it was gonna do. It just kinda like turned and began swimming away. Um, and after the experience we were talking of the, the boat crew and they said, Oh yeah, they, there was a name for the shark. I forget what the hell they called it. But they said, Oh, we've seen her around, yeah, we were waiting for her to show up. And uh, it wasn't great blue or deep blue. There's, there's a big shark called Deep Blue or something like that. It wasn't wasn't that one. That's a kind of a famous shark, but it was it was it was clearly when that shark showed up, there was all the sharks around. You know? Oh shit. It was like, okay, this is my <laughs> this is my thing, you guys. You guys take off for a while, you know? Oh shit. And uh it was it was it was quite the moment. It was it, that made the whole trip worthwhile, you know, getting smashed like that by this huge shark and then watching it just kind of swim away. Um and getting some kind of a photo anyway out of it. Was totally phenomenal. That's, do you think the sharks? Do you think the shark is in cahoots with the the agency that, that does the vacation? You show up on the last day, put on a show, bang these people around. You know, yeah, they got an extra extra tuna. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, you get an extra. You show back up at the docks at midnight. You'll get your payment as always. Yeah, but it was, it, was, it was quite an experience. Yeah. Yeah, there's got to be something even more no pun intended jarring about being hit by the cage is you get it to actually like feel like. One of my one of my friends uh, one of my friends has a pit bull, and I remember whenever and it was the nicest dog ever. But whenever I'd go to like his house, and it, it was on several occasions, and I'd see it, you know, it's the biggest, you know, just dumb, fluffy, like comes up licking you, and you're petting it. But like any dog, you know, I was just I just like to hug it because it's just you know it's just the cuddliest thing in the world, and it would lick you and stuff. But I realized whenever it wanted to leave, and it's not that I was holding on to it. But I just what I, one thing I noted is like when it decided that it was going to go look at out the window and bark at a bird or go to the doorbell, it wasn't like okay I'm getting up now. It was leaving regardless if I was trying to hold on to it. It was just like this mass of muscle and bone that was just like and I'm out and it was like I, it's not I'm not in control of that and I got this like although it never once even growled never once even showed its teeth. I was like, oh, this thing is, it, this is in charge of its own domain. I feel like you, you more so than the fact that, oh my God, there's a shark, just kind of one, the other sharks leaving again, sort of that Al Capone energy, but then also it just hits the cage and knocks you over. And it's just like, oh, this is just fuck your cage. <laughs> I don't care. It gave you a feeling of the power of the animal. Yeah. Uh uh, without actually seeing it. And I got another um, glimpse of that early in the week when I was in the side cage and I was taking pictures of a shark that was approaching the, the cage in the back of the boat. Um, and this was another pretty big one. And uh, there were three guys in that one and they were you know, shooting whatever. And this big shark came around and it was it got annoyed by something. Either it couldn't get the bait, whatever. So as it was passing that, that, that shark, that, that particular cage, it started wailing its, uh, its fin back and forth, its caudal fin, your fin. And you can see the ocean was now stirred up and the cage was like bouncing back and forth like with little, little kids in there, you know? And it gave you an idea of just how powerful these animals are. And um, it, was, it was quite an impressive display, even though it wasn't trying to put a display on, it, it, it was just a, a nature moment that was happening. This animal, for whatever reason, was you know, annoyed enough to really, you know, slash that cage around and bounce it around and whatever ticked it off, then it's turn around and swim away. But when you see those kinds of displays of power, you realize, you know, how how minimal we are, and you know, compared to uh, 
some of these you know natural natural animals you know it's it's there right it, it's weird how the world is almost like divided in half like we look at any animal on the surface a lion or a polar bear sure they're big bad and crazy but it's also like you know we are the apex predator of the surface if we yeah. really want you know a camper going out there sure you're going to get eaten but i mean if humans ever really want to even put half of half a minute of energy into it we would roll into northern alaska and a convoy of m1 abrams tanks and we would just burn it down like we just do whatever we want the ocean well, is that's their dimension you know your, your, your comment about you know being a polar bear or another animal sparks a memory if you want to switch gears for a second sure. talk about humpback whales sure okay that's another adventure i had done several years earlier uh was free diving and snorkeling with humpback whales off the dominican republic um i had been on a trip to bonaire uh it's one of the abc islands you know you have aruba bonaire curacao those three islands so i was having uh dinner with some diver who had a whale tail around a neck so i says wanted to make conversation i said oh you swim with humpback you're you like humpback whales and she goes oh i swim with them every year i said you do what with who and she goes i swim with humpback i said where I, I thought you couldn't do this, you know. It's oh yeah, in the Dominican Republic, you can do this, you know. And she gave me the, all the information and stuff like this. It's a, it's a whale sanctuary down there, Dominican Republic. The government is in charge of the whole operation, you know, as far as controlling the operation for uh, for operators that go down there. <clears throat> so I said, well, that's something I really always thought about doing. <clears throat> so um, a year later, I got a plane down to the Dominican Republic to Puerto Plata, get on another liveaboard boat. And we go out to a place called the Silver Bank. And it's called the Silver Bank because during the years of uh, piracy and bringing all the gold and silver back from the old world, from the new world to the old world, they didn't have uh, GPS, they didn't have sonar and stuff like that. So many of them hit these, a lot of the reefs during hurricanes and stuff and spill their cargo all over this area because it's a relatively shallow area of, of the ocean, uh, only a couple hundred feet deep, maybe, or, you know, less. And uh, so it became known as the Silver Bank because all the treasure was down there. <clears throat> so most most of it's been recovered, I've heard. So we didn't see any treasure. But this is where humpback whales that we see up in the north, they snowbird down to these areas to give birth and mate and have because there, there are some coral reefs in the area that kind of give it a protected setting so they can have the young or whatever, you know. And um, so I was down there to get in the water with humpback whales. This was not a cage. This was like snorkeling, and if you could dive, free diving without a tanker and like that, to, you know, whatever. So, um, you know, getting back to what your comment there, um, you know, when you the difference between whales and sharks is the degree of intelligence. You look a shark in the eye; it's kind of a cold, dead eye, and it's going. You, the thought process is: you were either food, or not. a threat, or part of the background. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> whales, you look in these eyes. Okay, and you see intelligence. It's an intelligent mammal with a brain bigger than ours, right? Mm -hmm. And they're looking at you, and you could tell while you're assessing it, it's assessing you, not just as food or something like that, because they don't eat when they're down there. But they're kind of like checking you out, wondering what you are and stuff like this, you know. And you're, you can you can feel almost like an exchange of intelligence. Like I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. I'm looking at you. You're looking yeah. at me. I'm looking <laughs> at you. you know? And um, so it's quite the experience. So they have these they have their babies down there okay and um you know they get pregnant down there and then a year late they go up um in the in the summertime to the north come down and again in the winter time and give birth so the gestation period is a little over a year i guess mm -hmm. so 
you know, they have their, you know, the babies are born, babies are about 10 feet big, you know, whales are about 50, 40, 50 feet big, you know. And uh, for the babies, you know, the whales have seen humans before, because they're down there, the humans are there, several boats are allowed to go down there and stuff like this. So it's like, oh, the humans are here again. Okay, yeah, all right, okay. But for the baby whales, it's the first time seeing human beings, so they're very curious. Mm. So um, uh, one, one baby whale came right, right by me. Um, this is actually a picture of one of, my, my, one of my books. I took that shot, it's a baby humpback. And he came as close as, um, you know, within 10 feet of me, you know. And I'm taking pictures, this is fabulous, wow, a baby whale, look at this. Why, you know, the whale's kind of curious, kind of, put the peck fin out, kind of like maybe brush you a little bit, see what you're made of, whatever. I look back and here comes mom. And I'm going, oh, maybe this wasn't a good idea. Because to your point, you wouldn't get close to a bear cub or a lion cub or any kind of cub. Very true. You know? Otherwise, you know, you're toast, right? Mama bear. Yeah. So I'm now saying, okay, here comes the whale. What's going to happen now? You know, I was near its baby. What is she thinking, you know? Yeah, there's 50 foot whales coming closer and closer and closer and closer. And I'm going, oh God. But I actually took a picture of the whale as it was coming. I figured, well, it might be my last photo. I don't know. So <laughs> now it has its, its pec fins are kind of out, you know, yeah. stretched out. And the, the pectoral fins are almost 10 feet long on either side of them. Okay. And as she got us within 10 feet of me, okay, they figured they have to think this is a huge animal, right? She begins turning to go past me. Now, if her pec fin was out, she would have just smashed me. You know, like I would have been like broken in two. You know, it's it's a oh, yeah. you know, fins. You know, you see them when they do these, these you know, the smashing these fins down to the side. You know, the, the, it'll, the, be like a, it'll be like if a small plane hit you. But as she as she brushed past me, she took her fin and put it like this beside huh. her body, so she slid past without me with a fin. And I'm looking at that, and saying, "Wow, she knew that I was there. She knew where her fin was." And after kind of examining me and seeing me hanging out with the kid for a while, you know, she just slid right past, put her fin next to her body and slid right past me. And, you know, it was like an oh my God moment again, you know? It's... And when I surfaced to get back in the boat, because the encounters last only as long as the whales want to hang out. You know, you, 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 you're going around for maybe an hour looking for a couple of whales. You find the whales, you jump in the boat, as long as the whales aren't doing something like, you know, breaching or you know, whatever, you know. and when the whales get bored or tired they leave you don't you can't chase them they're gone that's it you know get back in the boat so we get back in the boat and i told us to the to the boat driver i said you know what happened to me i thought he was going to be like shocked or surprised he goes oh really yeah they do they do that a lot yeah that's you know as long as you're not doing something like trying to go after the baby or something like that you know they'll do that and it was like wow you know so other times um I was, you know, it was actually was kind of a fast forward or reverse. I, the first time I got in the water with a whale, you know, we're in, the, we're in these little boats, like little dinghies we're in really, you know, off, off the mother boat to, to find these whales. And the guy goes, okay, there's a whale on the bottom, everybody over. So we jump over, I'm, I'm look, trying to look, where's the whale? And the bottom began to move. I realized, oh, that was the whale. <laughs> 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 okay? So the whales, you know, we're about 50 feet of water. The whale, the whale circles and begins to come up. I'm going, this is pretty good. You know, I'm taking pictures and stuff. And now the whale's going beneath me. I'm, 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 you know, snorkeling at the surface. The whale's maybe 10, 15 feet down, less than that. And as it slides past me, I'm trying to take in all the, all the details. There's the blowhole. That's pretty cool. Wow, there's the dorsal fin. That's pretty cool. I look back and I see a big tail fluke, right? That's how it's swimming. It's propelling itself with its tail fluke, right? It's the surface down. It's the surface down. 
I'm saying two more strokes, I'm gonna be toast because the tail fluke is so strong. When you see a whale breach, okay, it's that tail fluke that's mm-hmm. propelling a 50-ton whale out of the water. And that's how strong these things are. So I'm looking at this tail going up and down, up and down, pushing the whale along. I was going, uh-oh. So I crossed my, my arms over my chest thinking I'm going to get smashed. As the whale passed beneath me on the upstroke, it held its tail fluke and it slid past. Like it knew where I was mm-hmm. in relation to its body and stopped its tail fluke. So it, until it passed and it kept on going. Again, I got back in the boat and I said, did you see that? Did you see what the whale did? The guy goes, oh yeah, they'll, they'll do that if they know you're there. They, they, they'll, they'll take, as long as, the biggest risk is that they don't know you're there. Yeah. And it's like, you know, somebody, you know, a drunk in a room doesn't know you're there. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. But if, if they knew where you were, you were in no danger because they would take great pains, these huge animals, not to hurt us. Yeah. So it, it was absolutely amazing. You know? It's why, yeah, that is like, yeah, it's definitive intelligence. Yes, yes. And it's, yeah, it's it's kind of funny. The, the shark, food, threat, background. It's just very dun-dun-dun, right? It's almost like a generalized analogy, but it's almost like it's almost like a military bomber in, like, World War II. Target, threat, or just, like, that's a hill. There's no, yeah. there's really not a whole lot of thought, and I, not, I'm not disparaging the military, but you know, I'm just thinking of like yeah. World War II mass bombings. Right. It's very kill that, run away from that, keep flying. Versus a whale, it seems it's a more like a, seems like it's more like a Delta Force mission, right? It's like target, captive, civilians, roof, floor. Yeah. It's very, very specialized intelligence. There's a different kind of intelligence going on. You can see it. You yeah. can see the lines. Yeah. And when you make eye contact with yeah. a whale, you're that close. This eye is looking at you with feeling and intelligence yeah. that a shark doesn't have. You know, a shark has a certain has intelligence, but it's a different kind of intelligence. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a whale. You know, and then there's some debate. You know, are they more intelligent than we are? Well, you know, sometimes I think so. You know, but <laughs> but yeah. yeah, you know, there there is an intelligence there, and, it, and it's an amazing thing to. to to be in the presence of something that huge and that powerful that doesn't want to hurt you, but you know allows you to live by it, you know, exist by it, uh, is, is is kind of inspiring. It now is there? Yeah, right. It's kind of I don't. I mean, maybe not a good analogy, but I don't know. Maybe like a dog. I mean, I think of like my like my dog. Like put down last year, but he was seventeen. And it's like you had him for so long that like sometimes like I would sometimes he would like wake, you know, kind of wake up from his like ninth nap of the day. And he was, you know, he's mostly like blind, but he'd like look over at me and he'd see, he was a toy poodle. Okay. Yeah, he's 17 and a half. I mean, by the end, he was like blind and deaf. He was crazy. He was awesome. Mm-hmm. I loved him. But sometimes he would like wake up from his nap and he'd like look over just to make sure you're still there. But he'd kind of look at me and it's like sometimes like I would look up at him and it's like we would just kind of look at each other. And it wasn't like I'm giving him a treat. It's not like he's going outside now. It was sometimes we would just kind of look at each other and he would look at me. And he would just kind of put his head back down. It was just like this general, like, I see you. What's up? I, that's kind of like, right? I feel like that's almost, I feel like a shark is probably a little more like, a, you know, like I'm, I'm 30 years old, but I act like a, I act like a retard sometimes. You know, I see like a duck next to a pond and I'm like, <gasps> you know, I go towards the duck and it runs away. And it's like, oh man, and it's, that's kind of all there is. Do I have bread or do I not? It's going to run away. Whereas a dog kind of looks at you and there's a little bit of acknowledgement. I feel like that's kind of what you're saying with the whale. It's a different it's, level of consciousness. You know, for example, yeah. like you know, mammals will play, you know, yeah. dogs will play for the fun of playing. Dolphins yeah. play for the fun, you know. 
playing is, is a, according to scientists, playfulness is a sign of higher intelligence because they do something for because it's fun. You know, you watch dolphins sometimes surfing in the surf, you know, they do it because it's fun. You know, sharks don't play. They're out there to exist. Every day is a, is a job. I got to get up. I got to go eat. <laughs> I got to stay alive. Yeah. You know, yeah. until the next day. Yeah. That's, that, that's what their life is like. Sharks, no. sharks are the working man, and, and dolphins and whales are the really rich people, right? I just, yes. I just, I just, you know, I thought it was okay. fun. It was a great idea. I decided I'm going to buy a jet. Yeah, it's the, they, plug, <laughs> but really it is right because it's the expenditure of caloric energy for there is no ends to it. It's a, yes. there's no goal. It's maybe it's a sign of maybe intelligent maybe like nihilism is a sign of intelligence because it's sort of like let's play it's like it's all nothing matters <laughs> like, let's yeah. just let's play right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you know it's uh, kind of a uh, sea life and sea life uh, intelligence i don't yeah. know like, how, it, how it stratifies yeah with now is there like any sort of so it's like okay these things are intelligent they move the fin they move the tail so you obviously don't have that, and then there's obviously then there's like the neocortex, right? Of like I know that a whale is not trying to eat me. So there's all these things kind of coming together. But is there still just a general, like that is a fifty ton moving mass, no different yeah. than a locomotive engine? You you realize well it's it's, it's yeah it's uh, well it's different because it's intelligent. But you're right, it's not like you next you you realize when you're in the water next to something like this. It's 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 living and it's breathing. It's not like a, an animated prop. You go to SeaWorld or something. You know, you, you can you can you, you can stand next to a 50, 50 foot whale in in you know, on, on like an imitation whale somewhere at an amusement park or something, right? Mm-hmm. And that's it. Okay, it's, a, it's a, something that's fifty feet long and it's, and it's there. When you're when you're next to a whale, besides it's, the fact that it's moving, you hear it breathing. Oh, you know, it it, it comes up. Uh, again, one time I was in the South Pacific in a place called Tonga, South Pacific, to go with humpback whales again, a different trip. And I was there, and I was, you know, watching whales and stuff like this. And I was all of a sudden, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at the surface, I'm, I'm getting rocked like this. I said, what is going on? And a whale had surfaced right next to me. I didn't even see it coming. It came up from behind me and below me. And this huge whale just is there, okay? And he's swimming with me. I mean, he's there next to me, you know, and he's breathing, and he had, you know, he exhales, oh, shit. and then he inhales. So you feel this life force energy. Oh, you know, it's like you know, when a human breathes. Yeah. You know, a person's dead. They're not breathing. Yeah. When they breathe, it's life. Okay. Yeah. So this whale, on a massive scale, because their lungs are the size of cars, you know, and they have to, you know, get all this air out and get more air in quickly. You know, you feel this rushing of air, exhaling and inhaling. It's a, it's a living, breathing yeah. thing. And this whale comes up to me. Not up to me, but you have to be right next to me. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm the one kind of got in his way. It's like, but he probably served as what the hell is next to me? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and he, then he started swimming, and I said, I'm going to try and keep up with this thing. So I started swimming too. And inside of like a few seconds, I realized this whale is letting me swim along with it. Yeah. And I'm swimming in the water, not with a whale that's just kind of like floating there. He's actually moving through the water a lot easier than I was. You yeah. know, and he was just one stroke of his tail would take me like 20 strokes of my fins to try and yeah, keep up, right? Yeah. So we're there for, for about, I would say, 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds at the most, you know, and I'm, I'm taking some shots and we, he's keeping up with me and stuff. I'm keeping up with him until he got bored. And then he just finally put his head down and dove and just head, headed down away from, you can't keep up with him, you know. But, you know, to your point, 
uh, you, you, you get this feeling of, of a huge living thing next to you, breathing, it's heart pumping, it's moving, it, it's, it, it's like you feel <laughs> minute, you know, you don't just feel like five, you know, six, five or six feet next to 60 feet, you feel smaller than that. Yeah. You know? It's, yeah, that's, it, it, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm kind of at a loss for words for that. Is, have you ever completely changed directions? Have yeah. You, in a, you good for going for, you good for going like 10 more minutes? Yeah. We'll wrap, yeah, we'll wrap this up. Um, I'll, and I, w- I would love to have you on again sometime. Um, okay. for, have you ever read about the Megalodon? Yes. What are your, I mean, I don't really, I mean, I don't, I'm not really sure what kind of answer I'm looking for. Like, what am I asking? Like, yeah, the do Megalodon exist? exists. Do they, do they still exist? No, 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 no. Uh, no, I wish they did. I would love to go down that conspiracy hole. No, I don't think they do. I think that's it's probably 100% that they do not. But we do know that they existed. Yes. And it's some. they think that they could go anywhere from, like, what, like 35 to 65 feet on the upper end? Yeah. As someone that's seen great white sharks and has seen whales... How do you take from the earlier part of this podcast that general Al Capone energy, cold, lifeless eyes, they're going to kill you, they sneak up, they're in charge, and then you mix it with that 60-foot breathing monster underwater that's going by you. Can your brain eat? I know mine can't, but as someone that has seen both of them and has explained it as such, Mm -hmm. can you even really begin to comprehend, like, that first thing that we described, the shark, but scale it up to the second thing, the whale. I, I scale it up, but not in the same way. In other words, if the whale, if, if the whale was the if, if, if the shark was the size of the whale, you're talking about two different sizes. You know, the great white and the megalodon. You know, it would be like you know Al Capone on steroids. Yeah. You know, so like, but they don't. Like, you know, the, the size itself isn't a comparison because there's this difference in intelligence and personality and stuff like that. You okay. know, but. Uh, so there's that there's that difference, but just to get back to your point about do they do they still exist? I, I kind of would like to believe they do. Okay, but here's something. Here's a food for thought. You know how they put these little tracking devices in sharks? Mm-hmm. You know they, they 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 what they'll do is they'll they'll clip a, a little um, a transmitter onto the dorsal fin. Yeah, and now they they give the shark a name, and you can go on a website and say, oh, shark A five three, or they give it a name, you know, as Alice is now going down past the Carolinas, going to Florida and stuff like that, right? So they put one on this um, huge shark and all of a sudden one day, the shark stopped beeping, you know? And later on, they got a sonar thing of something much larger than that shark that was beeping. The same transmitter was beeping, okay. And but what, what, but the thing was, it was much larger than that shark. We only talked like three or four years ago. This is pretty recent. <laughs> so what they're saying is, holy shit, something ate that shark transmitter, and now it's tra- transmitting. You know, they're, they're getting a reading from the stomach or something like this. I don't know. So and it was kind of like, oh, oh, okay, maybe there is something down in the Marianas Trench or something oh, like this. You know, uh, like, don't, don't don't play with my heart. I, I, that's what I love to imagine. Is I'm like, where would it be? It would be in the Marianas Trench. It'd be and there's that one section of the Marianas Trench, Challenger Deep. Yeah, like, yep. There are things down there we don't know about. Well, no, right? there's, there's no reason for. If it's got a sufficient food supply, why would it come up? 
Why would it come up? If it's able to feast on maybe dead whales as they fall mm-hmm. to the bottom and stuff like this or whatever's down at the bottom, you know? Yeah, or all those weird, those like angler fish or whatever the hell are down there that produce their own. Lo- like, seafloor life is like, I mean, that's what I imagine like like interplanetary life is like, just mm-hmm. alien. Um, but yeah, if you're down there, right, and we know whatever the PSI is of, of pressure, like, no one can go down there, like, we sent that one ship down there. It was like the the Bathurst or something. Yeah, yeah, the Trieste or Bath. Yeah, I know yeah, the Bathosphere. Bathosphere. Yeah, um, there's a really good book called uh, "Blind Man's Bluff" all about uh, like nuclear subs and shit. And I, I always thought they just went a couple hundred feet deep, and they think they all do. But there was like one or two that we built these. They were originally research subs that we like outfitted. And of course, during the Cold War, all the money was flowing. But they made these ones that would go down to the ocean floor, and they had these big mechanical. Um, they said they almost looked like crawfish, but they had, this isn't yeah. like the seventies. They had these like mechanical crawfish that would leave the submarine, and they would and they would be at twenty twenty five thousand feet below the surface, and that's where they would go to. There's obviously the famous story of um, the Soviet sub that we tried to lift up, and that's kind yeah, of a well. Howard Hughes. Yeah, Howard Hughes, yeah, they had him go out there as a cover story. Um, James Cameron, didn't they end up paying for his, like, Titanic research? Because what yep. he was actually doing was helping salvage some, like, Soviet Union-era shit. Uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's where the Glomar response comes from. Yeah, we yeah, can yeah, neither confirm nor divide, yeah. d- uh, deny. It's from the USS Glomar, which was, like, a research ship. So it's the Glomar response. We can neither confirm nor deny. Um, they wanted us to lift one up, but those are all kind of a little more well-known stories. The story that I never known was that we would actually go down and try to find not just subs, but maybe Soviet battleships, maybe Soviet aircraft that maybe, you know, we want to go down there and try to pry apart their avionics. And we mm-hmm. had this one, I think maybe two submarines that were purpose built for the things that crashed out in the middle of nowhere. So we'd go down to like 30,000 feet. They had these long cables that would connect them and they'd, I think they called it like the bat cave. They had like a hollowed out part of a sub where they would go in and they would be like controlling. It's stuff from like the 60s and 70s that you realize you're like, this is James Bond, Tom Clancy shit. Um, But yeah, that being said, it takes like the full force of the U.S. military and the intelligence community with the funding of a Cold War president and the fear of a Cold War conflict just mm-hmm. to get down there and look at a tiny slice of the ocean floor. Right. I know that we've only discovered, what, something like 5 to 10%. So I say all of that to say, if there was this beast, why the hell would it come up? Doesn't have to. Doesn't have to. No, because there's more stuff that falls to the bottom of the ocean. All, all life falls to the bottom of the ocean eventually. Well, yeah. That's they, they find, I was watching a YouTube video just recently, somebody sent me of... Um, uh, all kinds of um, I don't think it was if it was squid or something feasting on the remains of a dead whale that mm-hmm. fallen like you know, several thousand feet. But it's just not the big stuff to fall. I mean, everything in the ocean that dies eventually gravity well, just takes yeah. it down, 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 down until there's a coating of the stuff. That's why you find these, these marine worms eat this stuff mm-hmm. and everything else, you know. Um, but if there's, if there's a food source, you know, why? why? Well, if I go all the way up to the surface, you, you, you hang out down there. It's perfectly yeah. fine. Well, yeah, I mean, not even from an intelligence standpoint of why go up to the surface where we might get killed by humans, but just like a caloric, right? The difference between work and play. Why right. would I expend all these calories swimming five miles vertically when I right. can just go 
because right we know that we know there are thermal vents at the bottom of the ocean and we know that those mm-hmm. feed and drive the production of extremophile bacteria right cyanobacteria sulfur bacteria we know they right. exist down there we know there is life down there and yeah i think it isn't it's called a, a whale fall and it's where a carcass falls and it's like you can and it takes several days i think maybe i'm wrong it might be a couple hours but yeah it hits the bottom and there's like videos and they're really terrifying videos but it's like time-lapse videos of like crabs coming in like eating it and it's just but it's also at the same time it's almost kind of cheesy but it's the whole circle of life thing it's uh, you're like oh wow you know it's terrifying <laughs> but it's you're like i see how it works if you have all of those things down there why would you leave? there's a lot we don't know yet it's, uh, we, we're mapping other planets but not our ocean floor not our own i love to think I kind of steered from it earlier because I don't want to come across as the crazy conspiracy theorist that I am because I have a I have a weak <laughs> spot, I have a weak spot for those. Those are my I I don't I don't read like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, but like man, do I love a good conspiracy? <laughs> it's oh yeah, I mean uh, you know that, that to me that's um, it's the you know, it's pretty, pretty amazing stuff. I mean I'm, I'm still wondering about what happened at Roswell. Oh and dude, the, don't uh, even what what they're hiding in Area Fifty One. <laughs> <laughs> my friend i have had so many episodes actually after this i don't know if he's going to cancel or not i'm having on larry holcomb who's come on here several times author of presidents and ufos okay that is a great book on ufos that's the one thing i always say if i was the big people if you were president what would you do what ufos would you do? would you solve property no 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 i want to find out what's there here 51 yes Yes, thank you. My God, I think we just became best friends. Yes, it's. I don't give a shit. Yeah, foreign policy. I don't care. Nuke the Middle East. What are we doing at home? Give everyone stimulus checks. I don't give a shit. Take me on a direct flight to Roswell, New Mexico, and then Groom Lake. I want to see what's out there. Get me Bob Lazar on the phone. I want to know about UFOs. Dig up all the shit that Curtis LeMay said. You have all these weird quotes from Harry S. Truman, flying saucers, given that they exist, were not created by any power on Earth. Here's a, just a, in that vein, if you have a minute, yeah. uh, to talk about, remember the, uh, for a while, all these uh, stories about you know, alien abductions were going on, and yeah. people had lost time and stuff like mm-hmm. this, and there was a story of Betty and Barney Hill. Uh-huh. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. A couple of were in the car, and they mm-hmm. were all of a sudden, they saw a bright light, and they woke up like eight hours later uh-huh. or something like that, under hypnosis, Okay. She described being examined by these beings, mm-hmm. okay? And she was talking about the, then they would say, well, what kind of examination? And she talked about them putting some kind of a long tube, spear-like tube, or needle, or whatever, into her abdomen and something like that. And they go, why did they do that? She goes, well, they, want, they wanted to see if I was pregnant. And people were going, ladies, you know, whatever. Well, five or 10 years later, we invented the test for amniocentesis where they do that process where they use the tube and the, now they can determine if you're pregnant or what the speed or what the um um sex of your baby is and stuff like that that's how they do it they 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 insert like a long needle would draw some amniotic fluid and they can tell what the baby is okay and she's describing a process that didn't happen for another 20 years she's i mean what about so, bob lazar right everyone points to what bob lazar said about element 115 and how he talked about it, said that's the power source, and then years later we discovered Element 115. I love Bob Lazar, but to me, that's that doesn't really hold any weight because I think that I think physicists have theorized that up to Element 5000 are theoretically possible. Whether or not they exist naturally is a whole other thing. 
So to me, I don't look at the prediction of an element. I could say element 159 is going to be predicted one or it's going to be invented or discovered one day. And it is what I point to is what he described in 1989 about the way he, he the way this craft would move. And he was like, it's not in the traditional sense where you, you know, push something at the back, rocket fuel, exhaust, whatever, mm. ramjet, scramjet, all that stuff. Yeah, he said it was completely different in the sense of like it's when you put like a bowling ball on a mattress and stuff falls towards it. What this craft did, what he called the sport model, he said it it created a gravitational distortion in front of it so that it was always falling downhill. And the way it would do that, and furthermore, is it wasn't just a flying saucer moving around like this. He said that's how it moved around on Earth. But when it would do like interstellar travel, it would, and I'm sure most of the people listening to this podcast have exited out by now, but when it would go to do interstellar, uh, not podcast, interstellar travel, it would turn up like that and it would use the bottom to create the downhill force and it would move like that. So it's, you know, we see the flying saucers moving like this, but when it's out in space, what it actually does is move like that. Okay. Well, in 2004, there was the, the sighted sighting of the Tic Tac off the USS Nimitz. Have you ever have you ever heard of that one? US the USS Nimitz Tic Tac, uh, Commander Fraser. Was it the guy that kept going all over the place? Yeah, there was like one. It was, looked like a Tic Tac, and it's it's okay. the guy who spotted it was Commander Fraser, who was a commander of a I guess squadron of fighter jets. This guy was way up there on 9/11, 2001. They okay. they tasked his force to fly above LA because they didn't know if another attack was coming. This guy went on Joe Rogan, and he also went on Lex Friedman. Those are two great. I'll, I'll text him to you if you were, if you're into UFOs, because that is a credible. This dude was as clean cut American as you can get, and he's describing this thing. But so last year, in of course 2020, mid 2020, the Pentagon finally released the FLIR, the forward looking infrared video of, excuse me, the Tic Tac, but also another one off the East Coast. So the Tic Tac was 2004 off the West Coast, kind of around San Diego-ish, mm-hmm. probably where you, you were. But the East Coast one, they called it the Gimbal because there's a declassified video. You can look it up, just YouTube, Gimbal UFO. And it's and you hear these two, like, fighter bros. You know, they're like, look at that thing, man. Look at that thing. And it's the infrared shot, you know, kind of grayish. And it's moving around. And they're like, look at that. It's a drone. It's a drone. And then all of a sudden, as it's flying, and mind you, it's moving at, like, 150 knots. It just... It goes like this, perfectly on the same plane, but it moves like that. And you go, oh, holy shit. But it moved like a gimbal. It moved exactly like Bob Lazar said it did. So I don't look at element 115 as the as the predictor of that. I look at that declassified and certified Pentagon video of that thing going on a pivot. <sighs> yeah. So screw, screw the Megalodon. Take me out to Groom Lake. <laughs> Show it to me. You don't have okay. to tell me. Hey, if I start if I start running my mouth, you can JFK me. But just show me. All right, that's what yeah. I want to see. Yeah. But um, so yeah, megalodon. So let's um, let's let's I'll we'll finish this podcast as just sharks with a little bit of UFOs. Okay. I would love to have you on, and we can talk UFOs. That would be a great episode. Okay, yeah, I'm not as as, as well. I actually, I've I've studied it for a long time, but I'm not. I couldn't say I'm, I've never seen one. I'm not probably as the expert as some people are, but you know, it's, it's a great not, topic. Nobody's an yeah. expert. Anyone talking about it, like myself, <laughs> admittedly, is just pulling together the facts that we can see and trying to make sense of it. All yeah. else is speculation. So, I I can't claim to know anything, but yeah. man, 
I haven't talked about him in a while, but I would say like every fifth episode for the first like hundred episodes are about UFOs. But it's to me, there's just nothing sexier. Advanced intelligence, advanced metamaterials, displaying laws of physics that we don't know, visiting Earth. To me, what's bigger than that is. I, I still believe that the Raelian body is still over at that that hangar. At the, why, 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 it's it it makes perfect sense as to why we wouldn't disclose it, and I'll have to wrap this up in like five minutes because if I don't, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm never going to shut up. But I think about that. Why would, would there be alien bodies? Why would there be craft? And it's the the general kind of explanation we've always heard through the years that if it did happen, people always say, "Well, they couldn't tell the people because the people would freak out." I think that's a bullshit explanation. I think there's a very real explanation. And all you have to do is look at the secrecy around the atomic bomb. When it mm. was, when it started, only three people in the world knew. It was FDR, it was General Leslie Groves, and I think it was Oppenheimer. It might have been Leo Szilard. No one else knew, not even Truman. Truman didn't know about the A-bomb until three days into his presidency. Right, until FDR died, yes. And it was called Operation S-1. Before it was the Manhattan Project, no, it was yeah, or called Project S-1. But only three people knew about it, and it was so secretive because they knew, and they were right, this could end the war, and it did end the war. Mm-hmm. It was kept so secret. I mean, other things, stealth, uh, stealth technology, we were going to use the F-117 to go bomb Gaddafi, and then uh, Secretary of Defense Casper Weinberger under Reagan called off the F-117 at the last minute and said, go send in like a different fighter jet. The different fighter jets went in. They actually, they literally made too much noise. Gaddafi got away. And years later, when when asked, why the hell did you do that? He said, although Gaddafi was an important target, there's a bigger fish to fry. And that was not letting the Soviets know that we have stealth technology. It was, hey, we're, we're going to lose the battle so we can win the war. So there are these examples of hyper-advanced technologies, atomic weaponry, stealth technology, that we don't want anyone to know because just like the sharks in the ocean, you know, where it's it's very primal, big boy wins, just like cavemen, the first one to get the bow, the first one to invent the gunpowder-driven rifle, mm-hmm. whoever has the best technology wins. Right. Atomic bomb, stealth technology. So I say that all of that to say... If we recovered a piece of technology in 1947, why would we let anyone know about it? It is it is the ultimate. It's the arrow. It's the sword. It's the why would we let anyone know about it? We we'd, And we would keep it secret and we would work on it because whoever controls that controls the world. Yeah, reverse technology, reverse engineering. Yes. So why would we say anything to anyone? We wouldn't. We sure we could dress it up as the people can't know. It would destabilize religion. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's a good soundbite. But that is a weapon. The first, despite all of like my, at least my flowery and idyllic ideas of humanity, the reality is is we're just a bunch of apes with weapons, and whoever has the best yeah. weapons gets the nicest home with the best food and the best women. That's what we are. We can call it anything else. But we just so happen this this just means we have the best weapons. Remember the opening scenes of two thousand and one, a space odyssey. Yes, bum, bum. It was done. Done, 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 done. That's what it is. But it's instead of instead of a, a club, yeah. it's just a disc, and it's who knows what that entails. And have we finally reverse engineered it? Is that it? Is that what these UFO sightings are in the last year or so that the Pentagon has been releasing? Is this a slow kind of releasing it? Hey, we're in charge now. I mean, 
right? You have belligerent China moving on Taiwan and in the South China Sea. Maybe we start having UFO sightings. It's, you know, hey. Hopefully we find it before they do. That's what I'm saying. Is is it a China? It's Or if 75, 73 years ago, it would be what happens if a Stalin finds it, right? Or if it's 10 years before that, what happens if a Hitler finds it? I don't yep. know. Who knows? You know what? I will say I was upset that Trump didn't tweet about Area 51 not once to me that was i'm like hey that's what i kept saying i was like no matter what we're gonna get it from him not once and you know what that was a little heartbreaking you know i don't give a shit about anything else he did he didn't tweet about area 50 but maybe that's just how much power is out there is the fun fact and then i'll let you go okay but did you know that eisenhower wanted a briefing about what was going on at groom lake when he was president and he was denied access. And so he threatened Groom Lake. I swear to God, this is his, this is historical. He threatened to invade with the first army <laughs> if they didn't send like someone to DC within the next twenty four hours to brief him. And then I think they did. But I don't know. There's an argument for if you had this technology, if you had the two thousand one a Space Odyssey Club, would you want that thing to be subject to the to the tides of who's in the White House? Yeah, well, every, so, so far, every, every president has said that they were briefed or something like that. I think Carter said he was briefed. I think Clinton uh, um, said he was briefed, but they said, or even Obama. And they said, I can't talk about it. So are they just teasing us, or did he really get briefed? I don't know. You know it's, but, it's, it's, I mean, again, Harry S. Truman, flying saucers, given that they exist, are not created by any powers on Earth. Uh, Gerald Ford, I know UFOs exist because I've seen one. General Douglas MacArthur said, we know the famous Einstein quote, right? I know not what weapons World War III will be fought with because it will be some sort of A-bomb. World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. There's a lesser-known quote from General Douglas MacArthur. World War III will be fought between interplanetary craft. I mean... We do not have a space force, so we'll see what happens with that. My conspiracy, and we'll close out on this, my my favorite conspiracy theory is that the space force wasn't created, it was just declassified. (laughs) That's what I love. I'll send you some books, man. I would love to go into UFOs with you. I'm so happy you brought up UFOs. I haven't had anyone bring that up in a while. I I need to put that tinfoil hat on again. I miss it. Okay, we can chat about it. You know, it's... um... I don't, know, I don't know if we'll be able to go this long with it, but... Who gives a shit? Yeah, we can. I I know we can go this long because I know I can go that long. You just sit there and, and just nod, all right? So I don't look like a pure crazy person. I'll, going, I'll throw in something. Just, yeah, just bring some popcorn, bring a beer, and just be like, aliens, and I'll just start running off with it. But um, thank before you so... Before we go, if I can just mention my website... I was about to, uh, I was about to say, I was about to say, can okay, you yeah. plug your website, your books? I know sure. you have books, I'll, and I would definitely like to grab one, and we can discuss that as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just like to say that you know, I've used my you know diving experience and my and my photos uh, as background to many of my. I've written five novels, uh, a nonfiction book, three children's books. All have to do with the ocean. Uh, www.mylabooks.com. M-I-L-A books.com. Um, where you can put my name, Paul Myla, into um, Amazon, and my books will come up also. So. Okay, uh, that would be great. Oh, and for everybody listening, I'll put the link to that in the description and sticky it in the top comment. See, yeah, you say you've written several um, children's books for it, as well as one nonfiction book. Yeah, yeah, three kids books. One brand new that just came out. Uh, it's a it's a sea turtle adventure series. Okay. Um, again, using my photographs and uh, lessons for the kids, age like four to nine. Yeah. Is, is the book. This is the new one that just came out. Larry Loggerhead came and goes to the sea turtle hospital. 
uh, Gracie Green Turtle finds her beach, and Harry Hawksfield helps his friends. Hell yeah. Uh, they're great books for kids, and um, like I said, I use all my own photographs you know, in, in, that I've taken in, in the book. So, um, you know, and sea turtles and stuff like that. We can talk about sea turtles sometime if you like. Absolutely. Or any, or anything else, you know. Absolutely. Talk. Paul, I love having on guests, and we talk about everything under the sun. Great. It's, as, you can, as you can tell by this podcast <laughs> alone, we started with corporate finance. Yeah. We went to yeah. sharks. We went to whales. Yeah. We dipped our toes into megalodons. And then you opened a whole can of worms yeah. and you yeah. said Roswell, which to me, man, saying Roswell is like throwing chum into the ocean around sharks. I okay. go fucking nuts. I was I was like, Paul, let's wrap this up in five minutes. It's been 22 minutes later. I'm like, Eisenhower was going to end. And you're sitting there like, who the hell am I? Why did Mike put me in touch with this psychopath? <laughs> it's Wait, hold on. Hold on. Don't go anywhere. Oh, okay. So I actually, I, I taught myself graphic design over several years just for the fuck of it. And uh, I actually designed my own, I, and I saw all my own merch. But one of the designs I made is a, it's a sweatshirt. Like this is a one I've made. Okay. This is a sweatshirt and it's, it's. How cool is that? Yeah. It's all a bunch of blueprints I made. I tried to make it look like alien blueprints. There's a Bob, yeah, yeah. Bob Lazar on the back. <laughs> right, and it's got all the UFOs and stuff. And then, if you look at the, uh, if you look at the uh, the front pocket mm-hmm. and the cuffs, they're actually high resolution scans of the 1947 Roswell newspaper. Oh uh, yes. So you can actually op- You can actually <clears throat> look at it. Yeah, flying saucer on ranch in Roswell region. Yeah. No details of flying disc are involved. Yeah, it's, but yeah, just to show that's how much I love it. As I made, <laughs> made a sweatshirt about it, dude. I yeah, love I that. Yeah, one parting comment. Yeah, one of the things that leads me to believe, uh, almost you know, it's very emphatically about the existence of these things, is the observations that were made and recorded in the Bible. Oh yeah, that, yeah, the, the, know, a wheel within and, a wheel, and a wheel within a wheel. Ezekiel. Uh, uh, they had um, uh, 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 crystal spheres around their heads. Uh-huh. You know, that kind of thing. I mean, these are people trying to explain things in their own frame of reference. Yes. That they couldn't explain. Yeah. And to me, it's like, you know, don't forget the symbolism. Read it for what it is. Yeah. They saw something. What the hell did they see? These are people where the best thing of the day with, was yeah. leather shoes. Yeah, if you have a crystal, right? If you saw a UFO, how would you explain? Now we know it as we're like, you know, we describe it in terms of fighter jets or, you know, I describe it in analogy with an atomic bomb. But if you're just going around on camels writing stuff on stone, you're going to be like a fantastic wheel within a wheel, right? Because they didn't have flying shit, so they just called it the wheel, right? A wheel within a wheel. I think the, uh, the Hindu Vimanas... They described flying things as well, and they were like they were flying chariots because they didn't know what the hell to call it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, to me, that's that's almost more because these people had no agenda. Yeah. So that to me, that makes it more credible. Yeah, they didn't plan on having their story passed down for millennia. They yeah. were just they were the original bloggers. They were just writing shit down, and it just if they could come to our times, they'd be like, "Oh shit, you guys are still reading my journal." <laughs> they'd be like, "They'd be like, that's embarrassing." You guys haven't made much progress. Have no, you? you guys haven't made much progress. I wrote this as just like me and my buddies were drinking wine, so we're like, "Hey, water and wine," you know, just bunch of ha- bunch of hacky shit. But yeah, it's um, I think there's more evidence for it than there isn't. It's um, actually, what's today? Today is the eighth. Um. 
on uh, on February 20th, I'm having on Dr. Lynn Katai, who's a, a medical doctor out in Phoenix and who actually um, firsthand witnessed the Phoenix Lights on um, March 9th, 1997, which is the most widely viewed uh, and most widely documented UFO sighting in human history. And it was over Phoenix, Arizona on March 9th, 1997. The governor, Fife Symington, was a former Air Force pilot. He said years later, he says, I, he goes, it's either Pentagon or it's alien technology. They said this thing was like a mile wide, silent, moving very slow. She wrote a whole book on it called Phoenix Lights. And um, actually, I'm getting on a call with her in a little bit so we can discuss the upcoming episode. But that's another one. If you haven't looked into, I would highly recommend looking. It's it's a bunch of people without agendas. Just right. It's just like, yeah, there it is. I mean, that's what it is. It's just a flying saucer. It's. But you know, no one likes to talk about it because, I mean, you feel goofy, right? It's you and I are sitting here talking, and it's just like, man, now it makes we're, sense to me. It makes sense to me. <laughs> hey, man, I would rather believe in it than not because it's yeah, a much yeah. more exciting world when you get to when you right because otherwise it's just boring. So I'd rather it's, I'd rather entertain the idea of flying saucers, alien bodies out at Roswell and um, uh, whatever the other Air Force bases out there, Edwards and. Um, I'd also like to entertain megalodons and all that shit. I don't care. I was about to say, maybe a sorcerer will come down and a megalodon will come out. Oh, Jesus. That would, <laughs> or it's going to come out of, right? It's, it, uh, what's the movie? Um, Pacific Rim. The aliens come out of a, a an interdimensional fissure at the bottom of the ocean. And they're like, it's the last place we thought it would come from. Right? It's, it's stupid, yeah. but maybe it is, man. Where else would they live? Why not? Why not? What a, I mean, what other way to send a message than you come out as a megalodon? You're like, Jesus Christ, that's <laughs> terrifying, right? All right, well, I've now gone for an extra half hour yelling about aliens. So um, this episode, par for the course, this is how my favorite episodes go. And um, I will link your I will link your uh, description, or excuse me, I will link your website in the description, stick it in the top comment. Three, three fictional children's books, a nonfiction book. I would love to have you on again. I'll text you, and we can shoot okay. the shit about aliens. And um, great, yeah, thank you very much. Okay, it's been right. fun. Thank all you right. very much. Appreciate it. You have a good one. All right. So take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Meeting, meeting. Let me go.